Tonight I'm going to turn your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 23. And I'm going to begin with verse 10, reading down through verse 12. Glad to have brother and sister coffee with us tonight. <laughs> Welcome home. Glad you're here. Matthew 23. Glad to have Rick and Amanda home. Bailey is doing better. And we're glad to have you back tonight. Matthew 23, verse 10. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. So all you guys that are trying to get your wife to call you master, here is a scripture against you. But he that is greatest among you shall what? Shall be your servant. But whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall what? Shall be exalted. God has a different way of doing things. God has a different formula than man's formula. This whole idea that seems paradoxical, it's uh, paradoxical, I guess is the correct word. Uh, it absolutely is um, completely different from the way that human reasoning would, would place it. If you humble yourself, you're going to be exalted. If you exalt yourself, you're going to be uh, brought down. Uh, he that is the greatest is going to be the servant. It's just a whole different concept than the world presents to us. God has his own plan. And God works through submission and servanthood. And tonight I really want to key in on servanthood. And the servant, the heart of a servant. And submission and servanthood is the path to greatness. God works through people that humble themselves. Have you ever met anybody you can't tell anything? Don't look at your wife or your husband. There's some folks you can't tell anything. They already know all the answers. They can't be wrong. They're already ahead of the game. You try to explain something, they already knew it. Even if they knew it wrong, they already knew it. The act of submission and servanthood is not, is not the, the willingness to take abuse. Let me, let, me, let me get this clear and up front. It's not willingness to be abused. God did not expect any of us to be abusive. Not abusive to one another, on our jobs, in our family. God is not a God that will tolerate abuse. But God is a God that rewards humility. And there is a certain reward in humility. Servanthood is the practice of humility. Now there's a false sense of humility that says, well, everybody that knows me knows. I can, you can, I can just end that conversation right there. As soon as somebody throws out, anybody that knows me knows in the conversation right there because they're about to brag on something that is not real. Culture in Bible times 
was very different than the day. Humility in Bible times was thought as weakness. Weakness. And the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians begins to teach that we have to get over the culture that is teaching us that the practice of humility and servanthood is weakness. you got to get beyond that. you got to push beyond that. God is looking for people that will humble themselves. The scripture is so clear and so full of examples of the call to humility. If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves and pray. So the act of humility is servanthood. The practice of humility is servanthood. And we must understand that the scripture is teaching us, no matter what the world's belief system says, and no matter how much it clouds our own mind, that by being submitted to the word of God and not not standing in opposition and being uh, opposed, we have to get beyond that. That is, ladies and gentlemen, human nature. Human nature opposes submission. Start fasting and see how quickly your body wants to reject fasting. See how quick your will wants to reject fasting. Y'all are looking at me just like, really? I don't think I'm the only one that feels that. The world's belief system is built around human reasoning, human thought. It is part of the flesh that I talked about last week. The, the, the control of the flesh. We, we fight against the flesh. We fight against satanic influences and we fight against the world. One of the issues here is the practice uh, of, of self-exaltation. Uh, the, the Bible emphatically over and over again teaches that either we will fall on the rock and be broken or that the rock will fall on us and grind us to powder. It is a, it is a thread through the entire Scripture, scriptures, Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, tells us to not conform to the pattern of this world. I read this last week, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, not thinking like the world thinks, not being fallen into the system of the world. Uh, most people that struggle... Uh, some people, uh, let, me, let me see how I want to say this. Um, you ever, let me put it this way. You ever met somebody that just being around them for a few minutes, you, your first thought is, man, they're, they're pretty arrogant. You ever met those kind of people? Man, they're, they're very arrogant. Um, you try to talk to them, and uh, they've already been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. Every story that you share or tell, they've already done it, done it better. Whatever you have, they, they have better. Uh, whatever your IQ is, theirs, theirs is off the charts. Uh, every, every aspect, you know, it's, 
And they talk a lot about themselves. Here's something we must realize is that most of the time, most of the time, people who come across and appear to be arrogant often are lacking in self-esteem. They're lacking in self-esteem. So in an attempt to cover up their lack of self-esteem, they, they brag on themselves, they promote themselves, um, they compare themselves with others, which the Bible very clearly says for us not to compare ourselves one with another. And so these are all very clear signs of people who actually lack real confidence in themselves or in their abilities or in, their, uh, in, in who they are. If we really could ever get to a point of realizing that everything we are is because of Christ in us. One writer said it like this, In me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth, what? Nothing that is good. Everything that is in me that is good comes from above. It is given to me from the Father above. It is given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, I can't brag in what the Lord has put in me or what the Lord has given me or how the Lord has blessed me because everything comes from the Father above. And so if we're not careful, we fall into the world system. Now here's where I'm going to walk a very fine line for a few moments tonight because number one, I believe that there are individuals, people, marriages, homes, children and adults alike that can benefit from good, godly, godly, biblically based counseling. So I am a proponent. Not everybody needs to, don't all run out the door tonight and check in to counseling sessions tomorrow. Okay. But there are times, there are situations, and there are people that may face certain things that may need counseling. I've experienced it in my own family when a traumatic, very traumatic situation came about. There was only one resolve and that resolve that we sought after, we of course we sought after the Lord, we sought after the guidance of the Lord, but we realized and saw some very serious issues that were resulting and knew that we must seek some, some counsel. I, I sought uh, someone that I trusted, uh, a minister friend, an elder, uh, highly respected, and went to him and said, I need direction. This is beyond me. This is beyond my wife's ability to help. Uh, we are looking for counsel. We are looking for help. So I am a proponent of uh, certain situations needing to have counseling. So when I say this tonight, I say it very respectful of Counseling, but not every, not everything that comes through the counseling world is biblically based. So much of what comes through the counseling world is built around um, an entire uh, different concept than, than the Word of God. 
As a matter of fact, much of the counseling that is offered today is in uh, direct competition, contrary to the Word of God, uh, particularly when it comes to issues of self-esteem and these things. Here is what I believe. I believe that many people struggle in these areas of self-esteem, often because of issues of sin, unrepented sin, and things that they refuse to change in their life. I believe that the first step toward recovery from anything that involves a sinful act or a sinful nature is that first and foremost, there must be repentance. Without repentance, there will never be forgiveness. And without the forgiveness of God, you are never going to be able to forgive yourself. And therefore, you will run in a vicious cycle of unforgiveness and trying to mask it over and cover over things when in fact we would be better off to reach a point of realization that we need God. We need the help of the Lord. And we began to pray prayers that says, God, if there be any wicked way in me, reveal it to me. And when he reveals it to us, we repent of those things. And repentance is more than godly sorrow. You can weep over it and get up and keep doing it. You can cry about it. People say, well, I sincerely repented, but I went right back into it the very next day. I doubt there was sincere repentance. There was sincere sorrow. There was grief. You felt bad about it. But real repentance, godly sorrow worketh repentance. It is, a, it is a lead into repentance. Godly sorrow is a wonderful avenue that can lead to repentance. But repentance, ladies and gentlemen, is when somebody changes their mind, their heart. When you say, I've been walking down this road and I see the air of my way. I'm no longer going to walk down this road. I am turning around and I am going a different direction, never to go back there again. And if you do it because somebody's forcing you to, because somebody's begging you to, it is not real repentance. I fear, I fear that in the church, if we're not careful, we push past repentance. And we move people very quickly to baptism and very quickly to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but we leave out the step of repentance. So let me tell you what I appreciated so much this weekend about Brother Mahaney's ministry was that during altar call that he called people to sincere repentance. And we spent some time in sincere repentance on our face before the Lord before we ever made a transition into the next step uh, of, of, of reaching out to the Lord. I believe that is a key to a healthy relationship with the Lord. So if we're not careful, we will live an unrepented life and what we will do is we will seek counsel, we will seek friends that will affirm uh, our sinful nature, our bad habits, uh, our wrongdoings and that's why, you know, the old saying says birds of a feather... Mm, I wish I would have thought of that because I think it's right. Absolutely. And the reason is is because we seek people. We seek out people that will think like us 
and they will affirm our wrongdoings and they will not call for repentance. They will affirm the weak areas of our life that often we are masking over instead of adjusting and dealing with through repentance. And so the Lord is calling us to humility, not self-exaltation. Here is the issue. We exalt ourselves, but covering it over and getting around people and say, don't you understand my problem? No, you've been talking to my wife, I know. But I get around Brother Ron, now he'll understand me better. And we look for people that will affirm no matter what it is we do or how we're thinking, we look for people to affirm us. Find that affirmation in the Word of God. Find your affirmation through the Word of God. Find the Scripture affirming your actions. Find the Scripture affirming how you are responding to the sinful nature of your life. And repent and turn from our wicked ways. But we cannot do that until we have truly humbled ourselves. Psychology, pop psychology, self-help often pushes us. And there's nothing wrong with, with reading some of those things. Some of us need those. We need the assistance and help of them. But be careful. Uh, eat the chicken but spit out the bones. Otherwise, we will conform to everything. You know, just because it's put in writing. Well, I read in a book one day. doesn't mean it's true. And, and let, let me help you. Just because it's on the internet. <laughs> just because somebody posted on, on social media doesn't make it right. We jump on things that look right for a few minutes and then you get to thinking about it. And whoa, maybe I need to back off of that. In God's, in God's kingdom, he says... It's not the, the one that exalts themselves and steps on people to climb the ladder and pushes their way up to be bold and to be strong and to be the leader. But he said, it is the one that steps back and chooses to be last that I will make first. The issue of servanthood is not the cost of servanthood. Servanthood comes with a cost. It's called self-denial. Instead of exhaust, exalting ourselves, we become a base. How, how, does one, how does one live this, this out in their life? It is a result of our service unto the Lord. Brother Danny asked us a series of questions tonight, and he was being comical with it, but I, I, will, I will do it in a serious nature. When we say we love God, but we continue in sin, we are proving that we don't really love God. The scripture, in the scripture, the Lord said, if you love me, what are you going to do? You're going to keep my commandments. I believe it's in the New Testament, it says something along the lines of that the tree would be known by All the things the people say about the tree. The tree will be known by the fruit. It will be revealed. 
when we worry about what people think and say about us too much. And listen, I'm one that worries about what people say about me. I, this is a battle for me. Somebody said the other day, pastors gets very real on Wednesday night. I, 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 I'm full of flaws and I'm full of faults and, and I share them with you. If I'm not careful sometimes, I will let people's opinion keep me up at night. I lose sleep over feeling like I disappointed someone. That's not the will of God. That is a human nature flaw that I have to fight against and war against. If I wasn't, if I wasn't very, very careful and pray through over it on a regular basis, I would allow it just to absolutely cause me to give up and want to quit because somebody somebody thought something about me or somebody said something about me or somebody acted some way about me. And ministry, ladies and gentlemen, has taught me that you got to have skin thick as a walrus, however thick that is. Humble yourself. Don't try to exalt yourself. The truth will always stand for itself. If people are talking about you and it's not true, you don't have to show yourself and give them a piece of your mind. The truth's going to come through. You don't have to fight back. God has given us a, some, some direction. That's why he says just turn the other cheek. See, see, it's a complete different concept. Well, somebody said something about me, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say something back about them. Human nature. Well, somebody didn't speak to me, so you know what I'm going to do? Then I won't speak to them. You know, and I'll go tell everybody that they didn't speak to me. Human nature. Humble yourself. Maybe they thought you were busy talking. Maybe, maybe. They didn't realize that they had avoided you. Maybe. Maybe they had a bad day and we need to just give them a break. Surely not. Boy, you guys leave me up here and whew, it gets hot up here. Can we humble ourselves to a point of not thinking of ourselves higher than we really are? The Bible warns us against that. Thinking more highly of ourselves than what we actually are. So we've got to learn to humble ourselves. And by humbling ourselves, it is not announcing to the whole world, hey, look at me how humble I am. <laughs> I said a little bit about it last week, but I, I just I am gonna let you all know that I'm the most humble person in this room. I'm so humble. I'm so humble. I'm not proud at all. I'm so humble. Matter of fact, I'm going to go home and post it on Facebook about how humble I am. It's called false humility. It's called false humility. We do things to try to cause people to think that we're humble. And then there are times that the Lord has to humble us, and that's not pretty. 
I don't like it when I see the Lord humble people. When I see people that get all boasted and lifted up and think they're something, and I sit back and I'm thinking, hmm, you're you're contrary to the word of God. You're in conflict with ministry and leadership, and nobody can be an authority in your life, and nobody can speak into your life. Watch out. Watch out, because I know somebody that can get your attention, and he will get your attention in ways that you never thought possible. But God can get your attention. And I don't want to be at odds with God. Now I understand that he deals with us primarily through grace and mercy. But I do believe that, that uh, our evangelist this weekend said something along the lines that I never really thought about it. He said we preach about grace and mercy. But when you stand before God, you're not standing before a God that is meeting and greeting you with grace and mercy. He's going to look at you and judge you according to the word of God. That's what the Bible says. And if we don't get get back to preaching that our actions and our attitudes and what we do and our motives matter to the Lord, then we're going to be lost. But when we learn to humble ourselves, we have moved ourselves into the direction of growth. God honors servants. Servanthood, I've said often, servanthood is the path to greatness. Who will be the greatest? Jesus said it is he who is the least. It points to scripture of the woman who didn't have much to give, but she gave, while everybody else gave of their abundance, she gave all that she had, and it wasn't much. And when asked, who gave the most? The Lord said, it was that little lady. Because however humble it may have been, her motives were pure. And she didn't give of her abundance, but she gave all that she had. Here's what I believe God is looking for from the church. I believe that God is looking for a people that will move beyond the look at me for what I'm doing and let's make people think things by, you know, we can always live right as long as we're in front of the crowd, but when we go behind the crowd, we talk different, walk different, act different. I talked last week a little bit about integrity, being on the outside what we appear to be, being on the inside what we appear to be on the outside. And the Lord is calling for integrity, people who will humble themselves And say to the Lord and to themselves and don't mind people around them knowing, God, I need help. Because there's some things in my life that the only way that they can be fixed is by your help. Now, I want to look at some characteristics tonight of a great servant. And if you look at the life of Joseph, you will see that Joseph was a great servant. Joseph was a servant of servants. As a matter of fact, because of his willingness to serve, Joseph became great. Um, what does it take to be great in the eyes of the Lord? Matthew says to be great is to be servant. To be great in the eyes of the Lord is to be an obedient servant. And that's one of the first things, an obedient servant. And so just humbling ourselves and saying, well, I'm just, what, what, what is the purpose of humbling ourselves and not exalting ourselves? 
is that we are humbling ourselves to obedience. If you're a note taker, I want you to write that down. We humble ourselves to obedience. This is the beginning of the process of spiritual growth. To humble ourselves to obedience. We get beyond what I think, how I feel, how it makes me feel, what I want, what other people say, but I want to be obedient to the Word of God. Matthew 5 and 19 says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Being an obedient servant is more than just silently living out your life, but being willing to teach your family, to teach your children, to teach those that you are affecting, to to have an effect on those in a positive way of growth through obedience. All right? I'm watching the time. I've got about 15 minutes, so I'm going to move quickly because I'm going to to pull seven characteristics of a great servant here. That was number one. Number two is a great servant is one that is faithful. You humble yourself to faithfulness. This has been burning in my spirit for a while. But if you're not faithful over the small things, don't expect God to, to use you over things that are great. Because in God's God's kingdom, small things are great. And great things oftentimes are small. So the smallest of things that you do for the kingdom of God, he says, even if you would just be a door person in the kingdom of God, or even if you would just bring a glass of water in the name of the Lord, what seems to be a small thing is great in the kingdom of God because it reveals the heart that I would be willing to serve in any capacity and not just serve on good times or when I feel like it or want to, but it's to be found faithful. Faithfulness. I still teach faithfulness in the house of God. I still believe faithfulness is important in the kingdom of God. Faithfulness in every area of our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, moreover, it is required in stewards. It's required in stewards that men be found faithful. What has God made you steward over? We immediately, when we use the term steward, we think of finances and money. That's one. But there's many other areas. What has God put you a steward over? He has put you steward over your finances. So I ask you, are you found faithful in your finances? Are you faithful to God in giving Him His part? Are you faithful in in paying your bills? I told somebody this week, I still believe that if we're going to be saved, that we've got to be of good character with our finances. Boy, I wish I'd have got a standing ovation on that. Let me tell you why. Well, let me tell you one of the great things about this church. 50 years, 50 years, we're in the middle of a building project, so a lot of people contact me and call me and have over the last few months, last few weeks. And I had a local business person call me this week, and they were promoting their company. 
and uh, a quote that they had given us and asking if there was something that they could do to better their quote and better their self. And they, they complimented our church and they said, we have had a relationship with your church for 50 years. And in 50 years, I have looked back and I have never seen a time that your church has ever been late on one payment. Thank the Lord. That was long before I was around here. Long before I had anything to do with it. But I believe that that is still part of our faithfulness and stewardship. To have a good reputation. What has God made you steward over? Heads of households, you're the steward over your family. Are you found faithful with your family? Are you faithful in all of your ways in teaching them and leading them? We must be found faithful Anything to do with the master's business, we must be found faithful. Joseph was faithful about the master's business. That's what promoted him and exalted him and caused him to move to higher levels of leadership. People who are unfaithful are not people that can be trusted with another step or another level of leadership. The real test of faithfulness is when it is difficult, when it is hard. When it goes against nature, when we can qualify it, but faithfulness in all things. I still preach that we ought to be faithful in church attendance. If you're sick, stay home. If you need a a vacation, take a vacation. But if you can be at church, you ought to be in the house of the Lord. When the doors are open, we ought to be here. I can't even be at everything that happens around here because there's so many things going on. We understand that, but if you can be here, you ought to be part of everything that is going on in the church. You ought to be promoting what's going on in the church. You ought to be helping. This is the act of faithfulness to the kingdom of God, faithfulness to the word of God, faithfulness to God himself. God, you don't have to worry about the fact that when I take a vacation, I leave my Holy Ghost at home. Ooh. Thought you were going to run the aisles on that one. I'm going to be found faithful whether I'm on vacation. I'm going to be found faithful when I'm in town or out of town, when I'm by myself or with somebody. Number three, great servants motivate others. Through humility, through servanthood, We can motivate others. Our participation motivates others. Our involvement motivates others. If the only time that I can be involved is when I am in charge, there is a problem. But great servants, everybody say great servants. Great servants motivate others by their service, by their servanthood. When people see you willing to get in and work when it's not your project. When they say you willing to see you willing to give when it's not your thing. When they see you willing to labor and work when it is not your program. Somebody turn the air on, it's hot up here. Great servants not only 
perform their duty, but they motivate others to get involved in what is going on. If the people that you are around find negativity to talk about, get away from them. You're not going to change them most likely. Get away from them until they pray through and get over themselves. If their conversation is negative, what's wrong, what ought to change and the way it ought to be, and you don't see them doing, get away from them. Great servants motivate others. They get around other people and talk about the possibilities and what we can do. You know what? This church has an unbelievable amount of potential. We have incredible talent, several layers deep. We have energy. Brother, our evangelist looked at me Sunday night. He said, my word, look at the young people in this church. Look at the young couples in this church. He said, man, this church has, I don't know when I've been to a church with so many young people and young couples. He said, this is incredible. The potential of this church is amazing. He said, I believe in the future of this church, but just because look at the young people we have in the church. He said it's a bright future for where the church is growing. But whether you're young or whether you're old, we ought to be motivating people into the service of the Lord. Come on, let's get on board. Come on, let's make this the most exciting thing. Come on, let's, let's do this great. Let's be part of what's going on. Great servants motivate others. They don't sit around and grumble thinking, why do I have to do everything around here? Isn't somebody else supposed to be doing this? Isn't this somebody else's job? Can't they see I'm already too busy? Don't they realize I have a full plate already? Great service. Just get in and make it happen. And they motivate other people to get on board. Number four, great servants take initiative. By humbling themselves, they are able to take initiative. Until uh, This is all built around servanthood and humility. Until we humble ourselves, until we humble ourselves and get beyond the proudness of humanity, we will never take the initiative to do what needs to be done, even if it is not popular. I'll do the base things. Great servant asks like Paul did at his, con- at his conversion. Lord, what would you have me to do? The scripture says it like this. Whatsoever thing your hand find to to do. I'm watching the time. I'm going to let you out. Whatsoever thing your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. Do it with all of your soul, heart, mind, and strength. Joseph's success and prosperity was because he did whatever needed to be done. No job too great or too small. The other night, what night was it? Saturday night, we're out at the campus. Had a great day. Oh, man, did we have a fun weekend. Everybody was calling me the Hulk because I had so much green on my face. I took three showers, and I will tell you, I still had green on me Monday morning. (laughs) And we're having such a good time, and somebody came and said, Pastor, you got to make an announcement. Restrooms can't be used. We have a clog in the lines, and it's downstream. 
Oh, what are we going to do? I just mentioned it. And some of our good men just didn't have to ask. They just into action. No, sir, this is our church. Running drain cleaners down the sewer line. Boy, that's, that's, that's exalting, isn't it? When you stop by and shake, brother, well, be careful about shaking their hand. I'm sure they've washed. But when you see Brother Koontz, when you see Brother Eric Watkins, be sure you stop by and say thank you for jumping into action without having to be asked. Just jump, got to get it done. This has got to happen. We're going to move right now and get this going and get this started. And about, I was on the phone calling people and trying to find tools and things that we needed. And just as we were about to give up, and Brother Kootzman said, we can't get it. I said, Lord Jesus, we got to get this thing. I've got an evangelist here. we got to have, he got to be able to take a shower in the morning. I got a phone number, and while I'm talking to the plumber on the phone right after we prayed, Brother Kuzman said, cancel the phone call. It's open. You know, it wouldn't have happened if he would have quit. But even though I was on the phone with the plumber, he's still trying to get the job done, still trying to make it happen. Let me talk about good servants that are willing to step in and do whatever needs to be done, no matter how a base it may be. Great servants think of others before they think of themselves. Oh, my. They think of others before they think of themselves. They look at the big picture above their own realm of what they are doing and what is on their agenda. They think of others. They think of, what, they think of others before themselves. What, what really needs to be done? I'm not going to elaborate because I'm out of time. Number six. To be great in the eyes of God and to be a great servant in the eyes of God is to be a humble servant. And without humility, we can never be great in the eyes of God. So it calls for humility. And number seven, to be great in the eyes of God, to be exalted by the Lord, is to be selfless. Selfless. Dying out to the flesh. This is ultimately what I really was getting, the point that I was trying to get to, and now I've used all my time, so I don't have much time to elaborate tonight, so I'm going to try to do it in the next three minutes and wrap this up. But what the Lord is calling us to is to become selfless. So it costs me. So I'm a servant. It costs me my reputation, but I'm a servant. It costs me my time, but I'm a servant. It costs me my personal agenda, but I'm a servant. It costs me emotionally, but I'm a servant. No matter where you turn, you must see yourself as a servant of the Lord. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And when we see ourselves as a servant, then the Lord sees somebody that I can exalt, somebody that I can use, somebody that I can trust. Somebody that can grow in the kingdom of God because I am willing to do whatever needs to be done wherever it needs to be done no matter how simple or how great the cost. 
God is calling us not to self-exaltation, but he causes us to humility. Greatness is not measured by how many servants that you have, but greatness is measured by how many you serve. If we ever reach the point of feeling like that the world around us is about serving us, we have gotten out of perspective. The greater, the greater we become, the less we become. The more we become servant to all of those around us. If we could pray for the spirit of humility, if we could pray for servanthood to rest upon us, we will see personal growth. We will see personal elevation. We will see exaltation from God. And when God exalts you, ladies and gentlemen, that is an exalting that is beyond man. If man puts you in a position, man can take you out of the position. But when God puts you in a position, then God is going to bless everything you're doing. And those around you are going to be blessed because God has placed you in a position. Humble yourself that he may exalt you in due time. Stand with me tonight. God bless you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you tonight for your word. Lord, we're grateful tonight, Lord, for people that desire to grow, that desire, Lord, to be what you would have them to be. People, oh Lord, that want to develop faithfulness in their life and greatness in their life by serving and being a humble servant. I pray, Lord, for every one of us, Lord, that we can see ourselves clearly in your mirror, not the mirror of society and of man, but God, let us see ourselves the way that the Bible shows our lives. Reveal to us our weaknesses. Reveal to us, God, the areas that we need to work on and the areas that if we humble ourselves, you will work on us. I thank you, Lord, for every home and family, for every individual represented here tonight. Be with us throughout this evening. Give traveling mercies to all those traveling home tonight. Be with us throughout the remainder of this week, we ask in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. God bless you tonight. Greet each other.